Where am I? I asked myself as I slowly opened my eyes. I rocked back and forth slightly in a small wooden boat. I felt a sick feeling in my stomach. I realized where I was. I was in the middle of the ocean. Hey, my name is Amber. Before I continue my story, please like, share, and subscribe to our amazing channel. When you hit that notification bell, it gives you the heads up that we have posted new content, so you don't want to miss out on that. The last thing I heard before I blacked out again were the sounds of helicopter blades hovering right over me. I awoke to the sound of machine beeping, and I groggily opened my eyes. Hey babe, I'm here. I'll be right back. I'm gonna go get a doctor, the man said. He returned with the doctor. Why, good morning, Mrs. Romero. You gave us quite a scare there. You have been unconscious for the past three days, the doctor said. I'm sorry, I said as I tried to sit up. My last name is Hughes. Is this normal, doctor? The man asked. Amnesia is sometimes temporary. What we can do to help the problem and maybe trigger her memory is to get her back to her routine when she gets back home and hope for the best, the doctor said. Can I see you outside for a moment, Mr. Romero? The doctor asked. They walked out the room to have a discussion, and only the man returned a short while after. I hope you don't think I'm going home with you when I get out of here, Mr. Romero, I said. You can call me David, he said. When I was discharged, I told David that I would prefer to get my own place. He agreed, and he rented me a place that was ten minutes away from where he lived. Here are some of your things that I think may help jog your memory, David said as he placed the last box of stuff on the kitchen counter. Thank you, I replied. As I looked through the box on the counter, I noticed a diary, a laptop, and tons of paper. What am I? I asked as I looked at the papers. A school teacher? David oh. chuckled. <laughs> no, you are a journalist. I flipped through the diary. What day was I admitted to the hospital? Before he could respond, David got a call. I'm sorry, I have to go, but I will check on you later, okay? I nodded and David left. I thumbed through the diary and realized that my last entry was on January 20th. The places I visited were the Yoga Sensations, the National Historical Library, and DJ Grills. The next morning, I arrived at Yoga Sensation at 6 a.m. Could you tell me how many classes were scheduled on the 20th in the name of the yoga instructor, please? I smiled politely. The receptionist replied, There was only one class scheduled that day, and the instructor was Miss Leslie Ann Thomas. Her next class is 11 a.m. tomorrow. I thanked the receptionist and headed back to my apartment. When I got there, I placed my hand on the knob of the front door turned it and realized that it was open. I slowly opened the door, placed my handbag on the floor, kept low and moved stealthily through the apartment and searched for the intruder. I peered through the open door of my bedroom. There he stood in my bedroom going through my drawers. He wore a cap and his back was turned to me, which gave me the advantage. To my surprise, I crouched on the ground and powerfully swiped one leg under his. As the intruder stumbled, he hit his head against the dresser before hitting the ground. It was David. What are you doing going through my stuff? I asked as I helped him to his feet. I watched as he rubbed the shoulder that hit the floor, then as he pulled off his cap and touched his head where it hit the dresser. A bump was already starting to form. Let me get you some ice, I said as I ran to the kitchen. I got the ice quickly and gave it to David who placed it on his head. So are you going to tell me why you were here? I asked with my arms folded against my chest. I brought over some more of your stuff and I was packing it away. David said as he pointed to the open suitcase on the bed, and he continued, If I knew it was going to lead to a concussion, I would have gone to work. Well, next time you need a call before you come over, I said. How was I supposed to know it was you? Sorry, I just didn't think anything of it. I promise to call next time so I don't get the snot knocked out of me, okay? David smiled at me and continued, Would you like to have dinner with me? Sure, why not? A girl's gotta eat, I said. David nodded. I'll pick you up around 7, okay? At 7 p.m., 
David picked me up at the apartment and he drove us to the restaurant. Once at the restaurant, David ordered one of my favorite desserts, crepe Suzette's, hoping that it would trigger a memory or a flashback. I guess it worked. As the chef flambied the crepe Suzette's, I saw flashbacks of fire. A woman called out to me as she tried to grab my hand through the flames. There was a loud explosion and she disappeared. No! I screamed as I jumped up from the chair, knocking it backwards. Amber? David said as he got up from his chair and hugged me. Can we leave? He nodded grimly and asked for the check. David held my hand as we left the restaurant and I didn't pull away. It made me feel safe. Is there anything I can do? He asked in a concerned voice. I smiled up at him and said, I'll be okay once I get back home and rest. Suddenly there was a loud explosion that threw David and I to the ground. Remnants of glass surrounded us. There was a ringing in my ear and I could feel thick ooze dripping from it. I knew it was blood. Amber, are you okay? David asked as he kneeled over me. I nodded and tried to sit up. I leaned against David until I heard the sound of the sirens enter the parking lot. David and I were both checked out. We had some cuts and bruises, but we were okay. We gave statements to the officers. It was then I found out that David was a police officer. After speaking with his colleagues, David insisted that I spend the night at his place. Officers escorted me to my apartment where I was able to grab some things before they escorted us to David's house. David drove my car back to his place. When we arrived, officers and the bomb squad checked the house and surroundings to ensure that it was safe. Officers were stationed outside the house as a precaution. The next day, I needed to head to the yoga studio on scene. I snuck out of the house and headed to the studio. When I got to the studio, I registered under a fake name. After class, I waited till everyone left before I approached Leslie Ann. Hi, Leslie Ann. I hope that you can be... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Some assistance to me, I said. You told me that you would leave me alone if I gave you the thumb drive. I gave you all the information I have. Why are you here? Her voice shook with fear. I was stunned at first. Where is the thumb drive? I asked. I gave you the key to the locker a few days ago. I already told you that the locker number is 227, she continued. Please, I don't want anything more to do with this. Please leave me alone. I watched as Leslie and grabbed her stuff and hustled out of the studio. I walked out of the studio deep in thought. I checked my diary and realized my next stop was the National Historical Library that day. If I went to the library, it meant that the key was for a locker in the library. This also meant that I retrieved what was in the locker which was probably the thumb drive. I decided to head to DJ Grills. I sat in the booth and looked through the menu on the table. A few seconds after, a man slipped into the booth opposite me and held my hands. Meet me here at 10 p.m. Come alone, he said. Just as quickly as he came, he left. A piece of paper was now in my hand. As I was about to open it, a waitress appeared. I crumbled the paper and pushed it into my handbag. Hi, Amber, how have you been? The waitress asked. How do you know me? You've been coming here for the past six months, but you usually sit at the booth at the back away from everyone. She pointed and asked, Is everything okay? I got into a car accident a few days ago and I have a little concussion. I lied and continued, How about you get me my usual and I will go and sit by my table and wait for my order. I said as I slipped out of the booth. The waitress nodded and went to place my order. I went to the booth at the back of the restaurant. I passed my hand below the table and noticed that one of the rods attached to the table was loose. 
I used my fingers to loosen the screws and something fell into my hand. I wrapped my hand around the object and quickly screwed the rod back into place. I looked down at my hand and there it was, the thumb drive. I gathered my bag and walked out of the diner. Back at David's house, I went to my room and locked the door before heading to the desk to connect the thumb drive to my laptop. The only thing on the thumb drive was a video. I opened it and held my breath as I looked on. In the video, there was a man sitting on a chair, tied up. He was bleeding and he was being interrogated. The clip was about two minutes long. The last few seconds of the clip, a familiar voice was heard. David's face was the only one shown in the video. His last words on the tape were, dump him. My eyes widened in fear. David was a dirty police officer. I needed to get away from here, but where would I go? I remembered the incident earlier at the restaurant where the guy slipped me the piece of paper in the booth. It was already 8.30 p.m. I got dressed quickly and headed to meet the mystery guy. I decided to go on foot as the house was still heavily guarded. The address led me to an abandoned housing complex. I walked through the complex, slowly making sure to stay in the shadows. Suddenly, someone grabbed me around the waist from behind and placed their hand on my mouth. I quickly grabbed him by his shirt and flipped him over my head. It's me, it's me, the person cried. It was the man from the diner. And who are you? I asked. Follow me, he said. I followed him further into the complex and re-entered an old, dilapidated building. I watched as he pushed a brick and a secret passage appeared. He walked through and I followed close behind. We entered a room with computers that lined the wall. It was also equipped with a bed, stove, and a small fridge. So are you going to tell me what I'm doing here, Mr... I looked at him and waited for an answer. My name is Wyatt Hughes. What am I doing here? I said as I looked him dead in the eyes. Wyatt proceeded to tell me that my real name was Monica Hughes and that we met about 10 years ago. We both worked for a secret organization and I was paid to go undercover and eventually my orders were to take out David Romero. Because you did not complete your orders, the organization is now preparing to come after you. Wyatt said as he leaned back in the chair and looked up at me worriedly. So why are you helping me? I asked with a raised eyebrow. Wouldn't they take you out as well? Yeah, he replied casually, but that's the risk I'm willing to take for the woman I love. Wyatt said that we were in a relationship but we had to keep it secret so that the organization wouldn't use it against us. He showed me pictures of us together on many different occasions. One occasion was our wedding day. I also recognized the same girl in the picture as the one in the flames. Who is she? I asked Wyatt, showing him the picture. She was my sister. So what do we do now? We leave. Your cover was blown and David knows who you are. He was the one that set the bomb under his car to make sure you moved back in with him so he could keep an eye on you. He was also the one who was holding my sister captive. You went to save her, but the ship exploded and we all thought you died, David said. He walked over to the bed and picked up a duffel bag. I already have new identities and passports for us. We need to leave if we have any chance of surviving. Before I could reply, an alarm went off. Wyatt checked his surveillance. We need to leave, now. He grabbed my hand and we ran to a different route than the way we entered. Get in, he said as we approached a black SUV. I jumped in as Wyatt slipped behind the wheel. We drove undiscovered for about 10 minutes, then we saw two cars following us in the rearview mirror. We tried to outrun them, but we couldn't. It seemed as though the cars multiplied by the minutes. Wyatt, look out! I screamed. There was a large pool of oil in the middle of the road. Wyatt slammed on the brakes, but it was too late. The tires screeched and the car flipped multiple times before coming to a halt. I heard voices and I tried to look over at Wyatt, but I was trapped. The last thing I heard was, burn it. I screamed. My scream echoed throughout the room that I was locked in. I was strapped to a table and I was hooked up to a variety of machines where two people behind the glass panel conversed in the other room. We got more information from her this time. An assistant said, Would you like us to run the simulation again, sir? Yes, Wyatt replied. 
We need to find out what else is on that thumb drive. I'll be damned if I spend any time in jail because a journalist poked her nose where it didn't belong. What did you think of my story? Get this video to 20,000 likes and we will post part two of this video.